Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 75. Man, guys, we are getting up there, aren't we? Today, I'm doing something fun. I'm doing an Ask Jenna Anything series, and I want to just start this off so that once a month, I can listen to the listeners' questions, answer them on an episode, and connect with you a little bit more intentionally. It's always so hard to record these episodes because it's usually just me hanging upstairs in my attic closet, which is so glamorous, but I really want to answer your biggest questions, connect with you a little bit more, and really get to some of those questions that I hear so often, but that aren't really compatible with a full podcast episode. So I'm so excited about Ask Jenna Anything. Stay tuned in the upcoming months as I take a poll and answer your biggest questions on air. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it is Jenna Kutcher, and I am so excited to be with you today. Now, I wanted to do something a little bit different and create a new series within the show called Ask Jenna Anything. I get so many questions every single day through Instagram and Facebook in my inbox, and so many of them are amazing questions, but they aren't exactly qualified to do an entire podcast episode on them. And so I want to introduce this Ask Jenna Anything 
Everything series so that once a month I can just jump in and answer some of your biggest questions and really communicate with you, the listeners. So I took a little poll in our insiders group, which is on Facebook, and you can join if you want to at golddiggerpodcast.com. There's a little spot to join our community. And then I also polled my audience and I picked 15 different questions that you guys sent in so that I can answer them for you today. Now, I am so excited to get to really just connect with you and get to some of those questions that you're just dying to hear about. And so without further ado, let's dive on in. Now, the first question comes from Jennifer Pierce, and she asks, one question I have for you is how do you navigate doubters of your dream when they are close people in your life? And Jennifer, this totally sucks. But here's the thing. If you are out there doing your best work or work that really matters to you, there is absolutely going to be people that are opposing you or pushing up against you. I like to look at it more as a challenge, and I want to prove them wrong and prove myself right. And I've said this in past episodes, but if I were given the option to place a bet, I would always bet on myself. Now, when I first started as a photographer and decided to leave my corporate job, I had a lot of people doubting my decision. I mean, here I was, this girl who went to school to land this, quote, dream job, and she hated it. And now she bought a camera on Craigslist and she decided to make a go at it. But the thing was, is that that negativity really fueled me to make sure that I was going to to be a success and I use that as fuel to my fire. Nowadays, I really try to keep the blinders on and put my headphones on and try to just remove as many distractions or negative things from my life. Like, I ain't got time for that and neither do you. And so if there are people who are close to you in your life who are doubting what you're doing, use that as an opportunity to prove them wrong. And trust me when I say this, a lot of times that doubt or that negativity is just fueled by insecurities in their lives. And so a lot lot of times it's a reflection on them and not on you. And trust me, I know how easy it is to say, forget the haters, you know, just focus on the good stuff. And I know how hard that is to live that out. But if I can just challenge you with one thing today, it is try to remove every ounce of negativity that you can from your life so that you can really be around people that are going to bring you up and support you and cheer you on as you chase your dreams. There is always going to be opposition, but that always challenges you to make sure that what you're doing is absolutely worth it and that you're passionate about it in life. So whenever I get somebody doubting me, I'm like, hey, girl, are you still in this? If you are, that means you're doing something good. And that's usually how I approach that tough, tough stuff. All right. The next question is from Eva Garmendia. And she says, what was your sleeping schedule like when you first started versus how is it now? I feel like a lot of us that try to make something special leave health and sleep behind. And I think this is an awesome, awesome question. Right now, I am working with an incredible naturopathic doctor. After our second miscarriage, I really just wanted to go through some testing, make sure my body was healing okay and that we were on the right track. Should we try to conceive again? And so I've been super dialed into health and sleep and sleep is so important. Now, the funny thing that not a lot of people know about me is that I have a routine 
And I do not deviate from it, like, ever. And so in the last six years of working for myself, I've pretty much woken up between seven and eight every single day. And sometimes I'm like, Jenna, why don't you just sleep in until nine and then start your day? But what my sleeping schedule looks like is Drew and I usually go to bed between 9.30 and 10. And then we set an alarm for seven and we usually roll out of bed around 7.30. And we work out every single day together at 8.15. And so we've got to be out the door by eight at the latest to the gym. And so sleep is so important, guys. Like, and one of the hardest things for me is that I'm a total night thinker. Like I get my best ideas at night. That's when my brain is really revving. And so a lot of times it's really hard for me to shut down. And so a few different things that I've done that have really helped me to get better sleep is one, I take a magnesium supplement. It's called natural calm. You just mix it in a little water and it really helps your muscles relax. Our bodies are usually magnesium deficient. And so you can just buy it on Amazon. It's amazing. It helps you sleep a little bit better. And then I really try to limit my screen time before bed, which some days I'm awesome at. Some days I suck at, but that's just life. And then lastly, I really started just reading before bed. And it sounds so silly, but I love reading. And when I started my business, I kind of like forgot about how much I just love reading for fun. And so I've been challenging myself lately to read before bed. Let that be my time of unwinding. I usually fall asleep a few pages in, so it takes me a very long time to finish a book. But I really want to focus on getting good rest because I can totally tell when I'm not rested. And a lot of that has to do with my own decisions and how I'm navigating that. Lindsay Pinnell says, how do you form relationships with your clients that will last over the years? Keep them coming back for future life events and give your name to everyone they know. So one of the things that I think is so important when it comes to forming relationships with your clients, and not a lot of people talk about this or teach this, is that it's all about setting expectations and what that looks like. And when it comes to my bride clients, I think I'm a lot more relaxed than a lot of other photographers. So I'll text my brides. I love to text them sneak peeks just to say, here's my number. If you need it, like you can reach out to me. I'm a available to you. And I also really just focus on during that wedding day, like just being her best friend. Like, how can I make sure her lipstick is on perfect, her veil is smooth, her flowers look great. And I want to just take care of those clients. Now, a lot of times things get really weird when money is involved. I'm sure a lot of you understand if you have clients that need to pay, it gets really icky. And so one thing I make sure of is that any financial conversations that happen with my clients, they all happen via email. So one, I have a record of it, but two, it's never infringing on our actual relationship, our face-to-face relationship or the relationship we're growing while they are planning their wedding. I also really love to continue sharing their weddings long after I photographed them. So a lot of times people will just post the blog right after the wedding and then leave it at that and never share those photos again. And one, I think that's a huge disservice because you have this beautiful gallery of images, but two, you're not staying front of mind with your clients. And so I will share and reshare different clients' weddings, different images. I'll take them on their anniversaries and I just want them to feel appreciated and cared for. And I think that a lot of women after 
after they go through planning a wedding, you almost go through this like depression afterwards. Like, I can't believe it's over. Like, it was so amazing. I want to do it again. It went by so fast. And so when you have those beautiful photos and you're consistently sharing them a month later, three months later, a year later, it makes your clients feel really loved and it helps them to remember that you haven't just moved on from them. Beyond that, I love to send holiday cards. I love to have like an email list where I'll just keep in touch with them. And a lot of my clients, like I'm still just good friends with because I think that I attract people that I naturally want to hang out with. So at least once or twice a week, I'm just texting with a former bride, talking about life, whatever that looks like. And it's just been so fun to grow up together. So I think those are the biggest things. The other thing that I would say, Lindsay, is to under promise and over deliver. Like, make sure that anything that you're promising, you are going above and beyond, whether that's different deadlines you're giving them, whether that's the amount of time you're serving them, whether that's the communication that you're giving to them. I want to make sure that my clients feel like they got an experience that was worth every penny and then some. And so my focus is always on what can I over deliver on and how can I just make them feel loved and appreciated? One final thing, because I just keep thinking of more, is to pay attention. Pay attention to their story. Pay attention to their speeches. Pay attention to their relationship. Pay attention to all of those things so that when you go to share their images, you're saying more than just, Aaron and Alex were a beautiful couple. Like, yeah, they are freaking gorgeous, but tell me more about them. Tell me about how they met. Tell me about how they fell in love. Tell me about what they love to do outside of being a bride and groom. And I think that when you do that, your couples realize like, hey, she was listening and she cares more about us as humans than just the way that we look. And so those would be my giant tips. And I think that just attracting the right people, they're naturally going to stay in your life, which is such a beautiful thing. And after a wedding day, you've spent such a special day with them and their family that it's really hard to imagine that day ending. Okay, Alicia Bros and Ashley Shockow asked the same question, and I love it. It says, if you could go back and tell your 22-year-old self one thing, what would it be? You know, when I was 22, we were planning our wedding and I felt so grown up. And, you know, I think we all do at that age. But I think I would tell myself that I could change the world. And I think that so many of us don't believe that. So many of us are looking at other people and saying they can change the world. Like, I'll let them do it. I'll sit back. And I think that there's just so much fear and that we're always lacking permission. And so I think I would go back to that 22-year-old self and just say, girl, like you are going to change the world. Start acting like it today. Stop waiting. Stop anticipating perfection. Stop believing the lies that you're telling yourself. Now, when I was 22, that was when I got that first camera. That's when I started this whole dream, but I never ever in a million years dreamt it would go to this scale or to this degree. And I think that Myself, like deep within, I've always thought like, you're going to do really cool things, but I don't think I ever understood the waves that I could make. And I still, to this day, being 29, I still don't think I realize the impact that I'm making. And I know that sounds so weird, but it is really hard when you're isolated and you're working from home and you're recording podcasts in your attic closet and sweating your you-know-what off to understand the impact that can be made. I still don't get it. I still just feel like I'm talking to one person, which I think is a beautiful thing. But, you know, there's just... 
this thing when I look back that I never realized that one person really can make a difference, whether you're making a difference in one person's life or a million lives. And I hope that any of our listeners, especially you guys, Alicia and Ashley, I hope that as you're listening today, that you remember that like you can change a world, girl, like you can, and you don't have to wait around for it. You don't have to let other people lead the way. You don't have to believe that other people can and you can't like you can. That's exactly what I would tell myself if I could go back. All right. The next question is asked by Athena Leskin and Elizabeth Mason. They both asked a very similar question. Athena said, I'm worried about the next phase of my career. I'm almost 40. And although I love what I do, I don't see an end too close in sight. I do think about what's next when I can't haul my gear, work 12 hours straight shooting and be on my game energy wise. What do most retired wedding photographers do? What are some options and what is the average? age of retirement. Oh my goodness. So I picked this question even though I don't feel confident that I have an answer. So I first just want to preface anything I'm about to say with like, gosh, I don't really know. For me, one of the biggest things that I have really focused on over the last two years as a business owner is how can I diversify my business? So if I'm putting all my eggs into one basket and that basket bursts or I can't do that one thing anymore, then I'm screwed, right? Like I am the breadwinner of our household and we would be in big trouble. And so I started to realize like a year or two ago, like wedding photography is really hard on my body. I have a really bad back from years and years and years as a gymnast and a diver. And I started to realize like, if this is the only thing I'm doing and my body literally can't do it anymore, like what's going to happen? So I would say if you're shooting weddings and you're kind of worried about like, am I going to be able to do this forever? I would say that a lot of wedding photographers then switch over to portraits where they have more control over the situation, the timing, the scenario. It's not as long days on your feet. You're not hauling gear as much. And so what I see a lot of wedding photographers do is they'll start doing more editorial work, different kinds of portraits, family photography, that kind of stuff. And then also transitioning to in-person sales. So for me, in-person sales has never been something I've wanted to do. It's just not in my bag of tricks. Like I don't feel comfortable selling. I think selling is really uncomfortable for me. And so I could see you taking that talent as a photographer and then just branching out in a different way beyond weddings. And I think that would be like the best move that you could make and the most obvious one. For me, I've really just focused on branching my business out into as many directions as I can manage well. And so, you know, we have so many different things going on these days that I feel confident that if one of them ended, I would still be okay. And I think that a lot of creatives don't think about that enough. And so it's like, you know, what if I was in a car accident and I couldn't use my hand? How would I shoot images anymore? And what if photography was my only option? And so you have to start thinking like a CEO in terms of diversifying your income in different ways. And I think a lot of times as artists, we forget about our other artistic passions that could genuinely become an income revenue maker for yourselves. Okay, Molly Killerin says, I love this question. I was like, I got to answer this one. How has your transition as a couple been to both working from home? I know you had your hubby on an episode and spoke about this, but can we get an update, especially with you switching to working in an office now? Was this prompted by this transition? So I love this question. So Drew was on a past episode and as of January of this year, he started working from home. And when we had and recorded that episode, we were still in that 
transition phase and I can tell you it was a little bit bumpy at first. Not in like an arguing way, but it was like, how do we figure this out? Like, how do we navigate this? Because to be entirely candid, I fuel up when I'm alone. I love to be alone. I loved working from home alone. And so at first it was so weird having him with me. And Drew is a neat freak times a million. He has definite OCD tendencies. And so him being home all the time was actually really hard on him because he would want to clean all day, which is hilarious because that's like the opposite of my problem. We figured it out pretty quickly on that we needed to have separate spaces, separate time. And so nowadays what we'll do is we'll both wake up together. We'll go to the gym and make breakfast together. And then at around 930 or 10 o'clock, we'll split lit up, whether it looks like him going to the coffee shop or me going up into the attic and he's working down in the office, we definitely take our separate space and we spend most of the days separate. And I think that is a really good thing. And then we'll come together at the end of the day and I'll answer any questions for him or help him out with anything because he's really just trying to like grasp this whole entrepreneur thing and it's such a process. And so it's been really fun to advise him there. Now, about the office thing. So this was not prompted by the transition. I mean, it it was helpful, I guess, in having separate spaces. But what happened with that, and it's pretty amazing, is... Two years ago, Drew was selling wine and he sells it at our local floral shop, which is the cutest little shop in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. And the owner, who we know very well, Tim, was like, I have to show you this space upstairs. It's recently open and it is like the most beautiful space in this entire town by far. And when I saw it, I like fell in love. Like I felt like I was like Carrie on Sex in the City, like, hello, I live here. And it was beautiful, but it was huge. And Drew and I had talked about this for a long time. Like if I had a physical vision board, that space would have been on it. But since I don't shoot studio photography, there's really no reason for me to rent out a space. And so for so long, I was just like, I don't need the overhead of having a space. But then a couple of my dear friends are starting a new business in this town. And I told them about the space. And they went and checked it out and they're like, it's literally perfect. They're like, what if we make it a co-working space and you can just rent a desk and come and go as you please and use it whenever you need to. And so we all split the rent. So it's split by like four of us. And it is amazing. I honestly didn't think I would use it very often. I was like, well, maybe I'll use it like once a week or once or twice a week. But it is so amazing for me to walk eight minutes to get to the upstairs of the flower shop. I grab coffee on the way. And I just, I feel really inspired up there. I feel really focused because there's no TV or distraction. I get to hang out with my friends and have conversations. So I feel less isolated and it's just made me feel like a little more grown up, which is hilarious. But just the act of going to the office and then coming home has really offered me more balance. And when we're splitting the rent and stuff, it's literally pennies every month. So the overhead's super low for such an incredible space. And my friend, Stacy is an interior designer and she just designed it like immaculately. It's so stinking beautiful. I can't believe I get to work there. And it's just an amazing, amazing way to have a little bit more separation and a little more balance. And I love it. Like I love it so much more than I even thought I would. Okay. Monica Bergs asked, why did you decide to keep your personal business crafty things all under one Instagram account? 
so many times I get people asking, should I have one or two accounts? And I truly believe in building a brand and not just a business. There's literally an entire episode all about that. And so I believe that my brand includes anything I'm passionate about. And that might be a silly belief, but I think it's totally true. People love when I wear different clothes. They ask me where they're from. When I post things of our house, they ask me where it's from. And so it's clear that people follow me because they love what I love. Now, when I launched just different aspects of my life and my business, it only made sense to continue sharing them to the same audience because they were now a part of my passion. People love me. They love what I'm passionate about and people were getting on board. Now, it is funny because I do have a separate account now for the podcast because I want to be able to share all of our episodes and the cool things that's going on without cluttering up my personal feed. And then I also have a separate account for the condo, which please don't look at it because we haven't updated it in like two months. But there are definite instances when it makes sense to have two accounts. But I can promise you this. I manage one account so much better than I manage two or three. Like I, one is always suffering. And so whenever anyone asks me, I always just say like, if you want to build a true brand and not just a business, keep as many things under that one brand as you possibly can, because people are naturally going to gravitate to the things that you're doing, which is so, so cool. I mean, that is why we've been able to do all these crazy things and have people on board is because they actually care about me and not just photography or whatever that looks like. Okay. The next question is from Jana Alexander and it says, I'm feeling super sad because this is my first year of wedding photography and I only have five weddings. When I hear that you or other photographers shoot 20 plus in your first year, it makes me feel a bit defeated. Any words of encouragement for where I'm at right now? So first things first, I shot six weddings my first year. And that was when I was working full time at Target and some of those weddings, they were free. And so when I say that I shot 25 weddings my first year, I'm talking about my first year as a full-time photographer. One of the scariest things about this industry or just being an entrepreneur in general is that comparison game. Look, you have five weddings. You have five opportunities to serve incredible couples. You have five different ways you can build your portfolio up so that you can continue to grow your business. Now, one thing I want to caution everyone on is like never compare numbers. You don't know if one of the photographers who shot 20 plus weddings did them all for free, right? Like you don't know. You don't know if they were barely breaking even. You don't know if they were happy or miserable doing that. And so when you start to look at the numbers, it can become a really scary trap. And I know for a very long time, my worth was wrapped up in the number of weddings I was doing. And it really became a hard thing in my life. Like I felt like it was the legitimizing thing to say, I'm shooting 30 weddings this year, as in 30 people chose me, as in I am great. And so you have to really just be careful about that. Where you're at right now, Jana, is that you're getting started and getting started is a beautiful place to be in. If I would have had resources like this when I started, I can only imagine how much quicker I would have grown and how much more confident I would have been in growing. 
Stop comparing yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy. We all know that. We all experience that. And just put your head down and do the best work. You are never going to move forward if your eyes are only on other people. Put them on your path and just keep on shuffling forward. Forward is forward no matter how slow you're moving. So just remember, you're never getting people's full story. And that is like such a good reminder for all of us as we're scrolling through the Instagram and all the other things. Okay, Jessica Fennell asks, what are your favorite books, both fiction and business self-development? So I love books. I mean, I am a bookworm. And the funny thing was, is like I said, for years, I didn't even read. Like I didn't even have time because I was glued to my computer. So one of my favorite authors, and my sister always laughs when I say her name, so I don't think I'm saying it right, but Jodi Pickled. I hope that's correct. I love her books and I think I've read almost every single one of them. And so those are the books I read before I go to bed. They're super great. I feel like I always learn something cool and there's just really cool storylines in those. When it comes to business and self-development, I have to listen to audio tapes or like the audible versions of business books because they're so dry sometimes that I'm like reading three pages and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like this is so boring. And so I like to read read business books. I really liked Jeff Walker's book, Launch. I love Seth Godin's Purple Cow. I'm trying to think of other ones. I love Elizabeth Gilbert's, shoot, what is the name of that one? Not Eat, Pray, Love, but you know what I'm talking about. So I love to read. I really try to mix up so that I'm always reading one good, sorry, I'm trying to look up Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Big Magic is what it is. I'm always trying to read at least one development book and then one business book at the same time so that I'm kind of mixing things up and really looking at that. Jessica also asked, let's see here, what podcasts you listen to? So truthfully, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts because I don't have a commute anymore. And that's when we really listen to podcasts. So Drew and I, we listen to like S-Town and Serial and all of those ones. I really appreciate Amy Porterfield's Marketing Made Easy podcast. I really love Creative Empire, which my friend Christina and Raina, they run that one. There's some really great ones out there. I would just say find something that resonates with you. And a lot of times I'll just pull up separate episodes and kind of listen through if I really like the guest or if I see something pop up in my feed. Okay. Natasha Brown says, how do you keep yourself motivated as a creative? And if so, are there ever moments where you want to walk away from what you're doing? You know, it's so funny. I think that a lot of times I struggle to even consider myself creative, which is hilarious because we are all creatives. Like we're human beings. We're creative. Staying motivated for me is more of a productivity thing. I love to be productive. I love to feel like I'm moving forward. And so one of the things that's really helped me is being very seasonal with my business so that I'm not constantly doing all of the things. So during wedding season, I'm really focused on my wedding clients during the spring and fall before wedding season. I'm working on my course launches in the winter. That's when I launch projects like this podcast. And so staying motivated for me looks like having my hand in a lot of different things, but not doing the same thing over and over and over again. 
One of the other tips I have is just creating just really cool work patterns. So if you're feeling like not creative in one space, go to a different space. And there are definitely moments where I want to walk away from what I'm doing. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed or like this has gotten bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. But I feel just so passionate about impact that beyond money or followers or fame or any of those things, I want to make the biggest impact. So I can never walk away. I can always pivot and change. And that just really helps me understand that. The next question is Tanya Hort. And she says, although you outsource your editing, I'd love to hear how you work to call images and how the editing process works for you. So the night of the wedding, I back up all of my images and I edit one or two sneak peeks. So I'll usually post a sneak peek on Facebook and then I'll text or email the bride three additional photos and tell her, feel free to share these. Then on Monday, I go through and I call the entire wedding. So I go through and select the images that I want to have edited and the ones that I want to edit in photo mechanics. So I'll go through and I'll call the entire wedding. Then I'll recall it and pick about 200 to 250 images that I myself will edit. And those are the images that will be in the slideshow and the blog feature. After that, then I send all of the rest of the images to be edited via FTP. So like a file transfer online to my editor. And then she will work on them for the next two weeks. Weeks. Then she'll upload them into the gallery and we will deliver them there. Caitlin, my assistant, she makes a slideshow out of the images that I edit. And then I use a program called Blog Stomp to make the images blog ready so that they are featured on the blog within a week of the wedding. So that's kind of what the process looks like. It works really well for us. I love editing. I just don't want to edit a thousand photos. And so picking out my favorites and really getting to relive that day as an editor is really exciting. But it's also even more exciting to be done with the editing in my portion within a few hours of my Monday. Okay, Sarah Martin said, what is it like to be married to a personal trainer health coach? Does Drew ever try to push anything on you? Asking because I'm a health fitness coach, but my husband does not like working out with me. So we are always constantly working through this. And, you know, to be entirely candid as a female who is slightly overweight, it is really hard to be married to a guy with a six pack. Like, I mean, that man freaking looks like a Greek god. And so it's really amazing because I'm just always so inspired by him and he is truly like through and through just a really really healthy guy with a really good balance and so it is sometimes hard because I really struggle with my weight and I've had disordered eating in the past and really just struggled to find what my new normal is and so you know it isn't always easy but one of the things that we really focus on is like just empowering each other and encouraging each other so we work out together we do CrossFit together five days a week but we are not partners with each other most of the time and we kind of go to the gym and have our friends there and then he does a lot of stuff on his own and a lot of times I'm like good for you not for me but it does encourage me to be a healthier person and I also think that I have a gift in terms of connecting with his clients so he works with a lot of women entrepreneurs because he sees my struggle with health the long days behind the computer screens the not great nutrition the trouble working out and so I can connect with his clients on that emotional level. And I think that's a really beautiful thing because I know what it's like to be a woman and I know what it's like to feel not in control. And so it's a really great thing. Sarah also asked if you were to write a book, what would it focus on? And Sarah, I'm actually working on two books as we speak and we haven't really announced it yet or put it out into the universe. So you are 
like a very, very intuitive woman. And Sarah's taken my courses, which is awesome. But I am actually working on two books right now. So the first book is called Hustle. And the second book is called Grace. And Hustle is going to be kind of like a business devotional where you wake up in the morning, you read just a little short story and it kind of take action within your own business. And then Grace is an evening devotional where you kind of unwind from your day. It's really just inspiring and encouraging. And I want them to be used together. So you wake up feeling motivated and excited to take on your day. And then you unwind at the end of the night, feeling really encouraged and empowered and loved. And so I'm working on those books and I got to make some more time to keep writing them. But it's been really just this amazing project that I'm really excited to launch soon. Adrian Beal says, how do you recommend reaching out to companies that you'd love to work with when you're just starting out and not getting a ton of traffic? So Adrian, my biggest question for me to ask you would be, what do you have to offer these companies? Why do you want to reach out to them? Why do you want to work with them? What is in it for them? And I know that that sounds so weird, but a lot of times when you approach collaborations, you're looking more about what's in it for you. And so what can you offer them? Whether that's an expertise, whether that's your time and talent, whether that's a gift that you have that you're just willing to offer them in exchange for working together. For me, once I had you know a few thousand followers, if I felt like I had something to offer a brand, whether that was hand-drawn calligraphy or taking a beautiful photo of their products, I started reaching out and I just put myself out there and I said, hey, this is who I am. I really love what you're doing. Here are specific examples of what I love about you. And here's something I can offer you. If you're interested, just let me know. And guess what? You're going to hear a lot of no's, but you also might get a few yeses. So my first question would be, why do you want to work with them? And my second question, Adrian, would be, what do you have to offer them? And then put that offer together in a really, really thoughtful email and send it out. Nicolette Fernandez says, how did you or do you organize your seemingly endless to-do list and prioritize what needs to get done to move your business forward? So Nicolette, I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody and I said that I used to be so busy quote, busy, you know, whatever. We are all busy, but I used to be so busy that I was only focusing on what needed to get done today. And I was never able to lift my eyes and see the bigger picture. I was never thinking ahead or working ahead or, you know, really focusing on where we were headed as a business. And so, One of the biggest things that I do with my team is every morning when we start work, we'll say, what are your big three today? What three things do you have to accomplish today? These are like the big, like the next level type stuff, like whether it's creating content or making an episode or uploading a new blog post or whatever that looks like. What are your big three? And not only do we come up with them ourselves, but we share them with one another to make sure that we're all working on similar stuff so that we're staying on top of things. So one of the biggest things that we've started to do is work way in advance. So we're working about two months in advance right now, and it's giving us that lead time so we can say, here's the bigger picture. Here's what we're really working on. Here's all this little stuff. It's already done. Here's where we're going. And so I start with a big three. I do not go into my inbox before those big three are done. That is like the biggest thing. If I could get a hallelujah from you guys that are listening, like do not go into your inbox until you get those big three things done. Because if you go into your inbox first, you're giving other people control of your day and they do not deserve that control. So take that control 
Write down your big three, whether you write it down the night before or the morning of. Knock those three things out, and then you can dive into all that other little stuff that usually occupies your day. I think a lot of times we're shocked when we look at how our days are actually spent because they're actually not that productive, and that's really hard as an entrepreneur. All right, we got three more questions. Meredith Davis asked, how do you and other photographers get all these consistently amazing photos of yourself to share throughout your media? Are you collabing with friends or do you just teach your husband what to do? So Meredith, there are a few tips I can offer you. First things first, Instagram husbands are awesome. And if you're not married or you don't have a partner in crime, get a friend. Like it is so easy to hand somebody your phone or camera and have it all set up and say, hey, This is what I want for you to do. So something that's been really helpful when I've been teaching Drew different things with my camera is I will take the picture of him and I'll take it and I'll show it to him and I'll say, this is what I want you to do. Now, he has gotten really good over the years, but it definitely took time. Every time I hand him my camera, I'm like, make sure that little box is on my face. But he understands now. And I think that one of the funniest things is, is we can feel so silly in front of the camera, right? Like we're like, this is so stinking awkward. But when you explain why it's important to somebody they're going to take that photo and they're going to be a lot more gleeful about it. Now, I also set really big boundaries. So I don't want everything in my life to turn into a photo shoot. So Drew and I commit to doing one photo shoot a year. We will hire one of my friends who is a talented photographer and we will do one session. That's it. One shoot a year. And then I use those photos all throughout the year. So if you look at my feed, nothing is done in chronological order. I'm constantly sharing old images, new images, mixing them all up. I want to just make sure that I am showing up in my feed in my top nine and at least once a week or once every other week so that people know who I am and what I'm talking about. And I truly believe our social media feeds are our stories and we're not showing up enough in our stories. And I think that's a giant problem. Kelly Campbell asks, if you had to have any other career, what would it be? I kind of giggled, Kelly, when I saw this question because I'm like, is a mac and cheese taster, is that a career? And then I was like, is a professional napper a career? I mean, I could do like sleep studies for a living. You know, truthfully, I am honestly just so content right now. I feel for... A very, I mean, for the first time in a very long time, I feel just truly content that I am exactly where I need to be and I am working on the big stuff, like the hard and scary stuff. And so, I just truly feel really fortunate that I get to show up in the world in the way that I'm doing it right now. And I'm working on just some really fun projects. And my mom the other day told me that she was telling somebody what I was up to. And they were like, gosh, she must be so busy. And my mom was like, actually, she's like the least busy she's ever been. And I think that it's coming from a place of just really building a team and, you know, pushing and delegating to them so that I can really just wake up and do the big stuff. And so I don't know. I mean, I just love my career and and my career is so hard to define because it's so many things right now. And I just, I love all of that. Like, I don't want to be summed up by a title. I just want to wake up and make the most impact and be the best version of myself, whatever that looks like. And most days it looks like working from home in my yoga pants on my couch with my dog. So thank you for that question, Kelly. You know, if a professional mac and cheese job opens up, I would love to take it. The last question made me smile. And it's from Katie Beach. She says, girl, I just honestly want to know what your number one recommended mac and cheese recipe is. 
So, Katie, you know, I'm still perfecting it, which is kind of crazy. I actually just had mac and cheese for lunch. Right now, I am totally vibing on the Annie's. It's like the white cheddar and shells one. I think that's what it is. And I feel super healthy when I eat it, which nobody make fun of me because I still know it's not that healthy, but it's better than Kraft. Sorry, Kraft. I was with you for years, but now I have moved on. But I love the Annie's, the shells and cheese one with a white cheese. And one of the best tips I have when it comes to mac and cheese, especially Annie's, is when you drain the noodles, put the noodles in your bowl and then use your pan and you got to make the cheese sauce separately. So I used to just throw it all together and stir it up, but then the noodles would get kind of mushy and I never quite get the right ratio. So now I make the cheese sauce in the pan while it's still warm and I add in the milk and maybe a little butter and I stir it on up and then I dump it on top of the noodles and it is life changing. So Katie, you have to try that. Tell me what you think, but it is so good. And I have limited myself lately to just once a week, which has been a really hard thing. I know. Silly, right? Well, guys, that wraps up all of the questions. We've got more coming, but just keep your eyes open. I'm going to be polling the audience for more questions. This is so much fun, and it's really fun to just answer some of the questions that I see coming through, but I haven't had the opportunity to respond to yet. And so I really sincerely hope that you enjoy this Ask Jenna Anything series. I'm super excited to just get to connect to you on a more personal level. And as always, if this podcast means anything to you, if it has encouraged you or inspired you or made you just dream a little bigger or feel a little more confident, would you tell me? Because like I said, a lot of times it's really hard to understand or remember that we are actually making an impact, each and every single one of us. And so if you could hop onto iTunes and leave a review, I read every single one of them. And they touch my heart in such a deep, deep way. And so I would just love to hear from you. It would mean so much to just hear that you are tuning in and you love this content. And I want you to know, like recording from my attic when it's really hot in the Wisconsin summer, it is totally worth it because of you. So until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for this episode of Ask Jenna Anything. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, you gold digging dream chaser you.